Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. It's great to be back here, Renee, yeah, sitting man. with you. Nice. Um, how are you? I, we're back. Yes, we're we back. are back. Back in the ring room. Back in the, the ring room. The notorious ring room. Uh, we're the getting shadow ready. of devastation. Yeah, right in the, uh, yeah, just like a, a speed bump away right. from devastation. <laughs> yes, it's true. We're basically a speed bump. In fact, if this city, you know, had earthquakes, we'd be dead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, for sure. I think we talked about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're uh, here this week at the ring room and, and, and all these festivities going on because... The holidays have started. You can feel it in the yeah, air. You yeah, can feel you can, people a- acting weird town. in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in this town because it's just an excuse for them to have a parade or a, a festival or, you know, whatever. You They're know. ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Any, I wish they would just leave as a moment's uh, notice, you know. Okay. Just get out of it, you know. <laughs> like everybody uh, go somewhere else for yeah, the holidays. Yeah, go just, visit some relatives yeah, out of town. Yeah, But, you know, so it is Thanksgiving. Yes, that's what we're, we're a couple days, this will air later, but right, you know, right. we're a couple days before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I'm noticing, um, um, I'm looking in the news, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing on the television, um, uh, uh, these organizations are feeding people. Sure, sure, They're yes. feeding the people who right. are hungry. Feeding the hungry, yeah, yeah. Feeding the, homeless, the hungry, uh-huh. the homeless and uh, there's noble so work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, and and then these organizations are asking for you know for, you know everyone wants to give now. All of a sudden, it's like the season of giving. It is the season of you giving. Know, why can't I give in May or March? Well, you can give all year you round. Know, you know, you no, I don't want to give, give all give. year round. Okay. No, I don't want to. You know, you can give any time of the year. Right. Yeah. But now, because it is the season where people feel that they have to give, mm-hmm. give back. Okay. All right. So I'm watching this stuff, and people are getting fed like turkey meals today. Turkey okay. with all the sides, okay. the cranberry, the mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. the stuffing, mm-hmm. everything. And then they start asking for like, you know, well, let's give some uh, sundries, you know, for these people. Okay, some clean socks, clothes, and yeah, yeah. stuff, or you know, deodorant. Sure. You know, but the one thing they're not asking for, you know, because they're feeding these people mm-hmm. big meals. Where are the toilets? Well, again, with the, you know... You, you Where had, are the toilets? Where had, are these people going to go? Well, it, th- that, would be a, that would be a real kindness, you know, because yeah. I, I go to businesses and I see often the sign in the window that says restroom for, for customers only. Right. Now, of course, the first thing that I have to say, just to be funny, when I walk in, it's, it's like, oh, can I use the restroom? <laughs> oh, all right. But you haven't bought anything. No, yet. I know. Okay. And, then, and, they go, and I go, no, I'm just kidding. They go, okay. Because you know, they want well, to explain yeah. that, you know... But right. so I, I understand these people are being excluded from from uh, access to these things. So right. that's a very good point, man. But none of these organizations have an answer for that. Okay, well maybe you maybe know? the Troublement Podcast could. Uh, well, I'm know, not letting I, them use my toilet. Well, no, <laughs> I didn't mean yours you know, specifically. I, I, I'll but, go to Costco and get some two ply or something like right, that. Right. Well, you know, you maybe, know? maybe that's maybe even though I'm could... not even a member of Costco. Right. Right. They kicked me out. <laughs> really. Yeah, they did. Okay. Because I tried to double up on the gasoline. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> gas is cheap at Costco. Right, right, right. You were trying to trying to slip yeah, in there on yeah, the sly. So, well, I, I, I had two cars I was trying to fill up, and none of them were my cars. Yeah, grab it by the uh, microphone, not the cord there. There, there. That's, yeah, so okay. it won't, won't pinch right. out. So All you, right, Rody. Okay. okay. <laughs> trying to, uh, to keep us on the air here. 
Okay, so uh, so that, that's a that's a good yeah. point, good observation yeah. that you made. We're going to have to so to all you charitable organizations out there next year, take that note from Mr. Manny yeah. Chevrolet. I think have he's found some a, porta potties out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean you're going to feed these people, right? They've got to go sooner or later. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a real that's a real humanitarian. And who knows move. how many homeless are regular and not regular? Well, it doesn't really matter as long as they have an option to uh, to to because you know, I'm pretty. Facilities. Okay. All right. Well. With a cup of coffee in the morning. Okay. Even a half a cup. You know, I'm pretty good. Okay. I, I grab the paper. Okay. Well, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm guessing we all know how <laughs> what the scenario is there. Well, I don't. I don't get the paper. I just grab a paper. Okay. Right. <laughs> like your neighbor's paper. Well, no. Well, okay. sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> They're out of town right now. Yeah. So well, I can so grab it's a, it. a free for all. Yeah. 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 You know, I did see. Uh, a homeless guy on the corner, and it's he was doing something that I don't often see them doing. It's kind of an old school working. Mo- no. Well, <laughs> yes, that's, that's, I don't usually see him do that. No, it was close to that though. He he was he was uh, he had a bullhorn. Oh, and, cool! And, and he was uh, shouting out uh-huh. some stuff about uh, about God and about. Uh, Porta potties, America, and uh, and uh, political process, and people being fooled, and he was really engaging the uh, the the public there in the corner of uh, of Carrollton and Claiborne. It was real old school, you know, street preacher kind of move. Well, that's a weird corner. It was a weird corner, but they have other homeless people there who are, are, you know, people working the sign there. So, so now, just in the short amount of time I saw this guy there Uh at the stoplight. I already saw him getting into a screaming match with someone across the uh, the, the intersection. I couldn't that tell. That was me. Oh, okay. Well, I couldn't <laughs> no, no, tell no, where no. you were. Yeah. But uh, but someone he was able to 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 rile them up enough to where they were going to engage him. And I thought, well, this is kind of exciting. This is actually oh, you know yeah, feels like yeah. something's going on here. It feels like the big. Scene. Was there a knife involved? Not yet. Well, I, okay. I had to, the the light turned green. I had to keep moving. You okay. know, horns were blowing. People didn't want the uh, the side show to get to, to, to people to fall into it. Get too distracted. But I thought, okay, well, that's that's kind of a new wrinkle. I, I could go with that. Um, you know, there's speaking of local wrinkles. Have you been uh, following to Chris the, Owens show? Yeah, yes, the Chris <laughs> Owens show. Um, that's a smooth transition. Uh, well, you talked about wrinkles. Right, 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 yeah. right. No, I get it. I like it. Have you have you been following the story of of the uh, the diaper guy? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, yeah. so just to catch the nation yeah. up. Um, last week, it showed up in the paper after our, our last podcast, and it's already been updated since this one. So this is this this story is moving quickly. So so this guy was arrested last week, and he's accused of posing as a handicapped person to really? dupe caregivers into changing his diapers, his adult diapers. So what the guy did, uh, Rut- Rutledge Diaz the Fourth. That's a it's a mouthful of a name. Yeah, uh, sounds so, like a brand of diapers. Yeah, yeah, or, or depends. <laughs> right, right. So. So yeah. it turns out the guy's only uh, income is a $2,500 a month uh, um, stipend from his family. So he must come from some money. He must be okay. like, a, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, uh, <laughs> he, he's charged with four counts of human trafficking, which I thought was a weird Well, I charge. read that same thing, too. Right, but right. apparently if you get someone... Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. we'll, we'll get into the, the, the reason behind that. So what he did was uh, his, his nickname is Rory, right? So, yeah. so Rory uh, placed these ads, uh, an online app, like a caregiver app, yeah. through his phone. And uh, he referred, said that he had this uh, this brother named Corey 
who was uh, Corey who, and Rory. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my brother. Uh, yeah. My name's Rory. My yeah. brother Corey yeah. uh, is is handicapped and uh, has has other mental and physical disabilities, and uh, he needs. Uh, quote, someone to handle him with tough toddler gloves. That would have been a tip-off there, that quote, tough toddler gloves. That's a little weird, right? Well, yeah, but he got, apparently he got like uh, uh, some university students to come who were looking for some extra cash who were like trying to get into med school or something Yeah, well, like so that. I had one woman yeah. that was, was on the app and she thought, yeah. well, you know, this experience in caregiving will be yeah. good for, for on my... my resume. She, she wants to be a pediatrician, this, right, this, this you girl. Know, and he's a child. He's so, a 45-year-old child. Well, no, th- so one of them, the, the, the brother, the fake brother is supposed to be 18. The real brother, the real uh, Rory is actually 20. Rutledge. Yeah, R- yeah, Rory Rutledge yeah, is actually <laughs> twenty, but uh, but uh, that's not no Rutledge is his first name, right? So Rory uh, is actually twenty. His brother's uh, fake brother Corey is is supposedly okay. 18. When I saw this story, mm-hmm. it broke a while, a couple weeks ago, but now oh, he okay. went he went to court and stuff like that. Yeah, now. yeah. There's when I saw this story, I thought this is Florida. This has to be Florida. It sounds like it. It sounds, sounds like, like Florida, it. but right. it, it was here in New Orleans. In New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans in Orleans Parish. Parish. Yeah. So, so the woman, that the, the first person that filed charges said uh, that she actually changed his diapers at his request and at various uh, times and at different locations. And he would suck on a baby's pacifier and become visibly aroused during these diaper changes. <laughs> so it's going from bad to worse, man. And he's blaming it. Now, his defense was my childhood. My he, childhood was bad. He said he was, he was sexually abused as a child, and that may be, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a terrible story if that's true. But, uh, you know, he didn't need to involve someone else in, in this circle of, of, uh, of, of a nightmare that he's living. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I saw this, and you know, he's uh, he's facing a lot of time. If he, the judge wants to really slap him with a big sentence, he is. And now, I was I was shocked by that that charge myself. It turns out, in the way the the statute is written, so poorly that uh, um, anyone who who what is it? Uh, anyone who hires another person under fraudulent uh, terms. Can be, can be charged with human trafficking, right? Which carries a, a possible ten-year prison sentence. Exactly. So this guy has four counts he's facing, so he could do forty years. I mean, he's not going to, but you know, could potentially be facing forty years for uh, for this these shenanigans that he was engaged. in. Well, you know, everyone to each his own, as they say. Well, you know, if he wants to get someone to change his, you know. As we say in Spanish, his chones. Okay. <laughs> For his our bilingual ch- fans out there, Spanish-speaking fans. Yeah, his chones. Okay. Then, you know, then go for it, dude. Right. But you're going to get busted. you got to be up front. No, here's the thing. If, well, you yeah. just, if you just had advertised, like, in the back pages or something, or, well, you know, Craigslist, to said, I, I, I need someone to change my well, diaper. Well, should have went to, Could have done it for, uh, for a small 25, you yeah, know. Yeah, because there's, there's Craigslist for porn. Sure. And, and the stuff that he wants to done you don't go to a real nurse and say you know change my diapers because i need to get off you go to a yeah 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 you, like, you go to airline like, highway. Like, you know, like like david <laughs> vitter i don't know it's a, just an allegation that was made at one time exactly but, uh, you know the allegations out there you know people were saying it 
And his so, wife now is a Supreme Court justice. Well, uh, <laughs> and one, no, a big justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a, a Supreme. She Court. has a lifetime appointment. Yeah, certainly. she's yeah, got yeah, an yeah, appointment yeah, yeah. which well, she'll she, never make. She hung in. And she'll she, be late constantly did, to did that her, appointment. Did her time there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, clearly this is a not a unique kink, but uh, you know you can't dupe people into it. You know you got to be upfront. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, just to wrap up with this thing, so the guy went into court today and he was all prepared to plead guilty. Right. Or, or yesterday, rather. Yeah. And so he, he had actually pled guilty already. And then the, the judge is saying, okay, sentencing will be the certain day. And he said, wait, sentencing, what do you mean? I thought I was going to get probation. She goes, well, no, we never said that. And the, the prosecutor's going, no, we never agreed to probation. And he's going, wait, wait, wait hold on a second. Well, yeah, and who's his defense attorney? <laughs> well, he has a public defender. Yeah, he's a public defender. I'll ask our guest to uh, keep that mic right up by his mouth because he's cracking up and we're missing all this, this <laughs> hilarious, uh, <laughs> these, uh, there we go, <laughs> there these we great go, reactions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, keep it right up there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's become so ridiculous, you know, in the world we live in today. Uh-huh. You know, my old man and my mo- my mom would have loved this world, but my yeah. my old man wouldn't have liked this yeah. world at all. <laughs> you know, um, too uptight. Yeah, he would have just, you know, he, he would have been the one stabbing a man over a sandwich. Okay, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which has happened now with Popeye's chicken and stuff like repeatedly. that. repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, people are being stabbed over a sandwich, and. I don't hear. I hear it's not that great. This, you know, it's, it's not that good. I mean, well, it's not worth getting I, I stabbed over. Yeah, guess, well, some you know. people are killing each other over a sandwich. Uh, it's maybe the straw that broke the camel's back with the stab. Well, I don't know what know. that means. I don't know what that yeah. means. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like the last straw, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, well, okay. So the, this guy, you know, he's got a diaper fixation. He got away with it for a while. Yeah, okay. but now he's facing some real time, yeah, well, some hard you know, time, hard time, and as they say. And you know what? There'll be guys in Angola who'll be willing to change his diaper. Oh, yeah. No, that could, <laughs> could be really tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> could, you know, could be a tough road to hoe. Yeah, or, you know, make him a, a, a skin diaper, you oh, know? Oh, my God. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know what that man. is. I yeah. don't know. But, um, but uh, okay, before we get to our guest, because okay. he's exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's one thing, speaking about Florida, and this kind of stuff we always think happened in Florida or Arizona, you know. Yes. But there was something that happened like a month ago, and I've been wanting to talk about this, but we've had such exciting guests. Right. Who, uh, I can't remember any of their names. Yeah, but, you can um, look it up on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you can look it on the yeah. podcast. But speaking of Florida, I don't know if you saw this, because, you know, you have a lot of time on your hand. <laughs> um, there was a, a Disney World at okay. Disney World, there was a family who went to, Di- like, the grandparents, the parents, grandchildren, you know, the dog, you know, a big, great, big group, like 20 people went to Disney World mm-hmm. to spend a weekend there, you know, or maybe just a day, right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But apparently what happened was Grandpa got a little too frisky. And really? they were they're doing, you know, you go in, and I don't know if you've been to Disney World or Disneyland. I went to the one in, in Anaheim, where whatever that is. That's a- Disneyland. A- okay, all right. Uh, I can never keep it straight. Yeah. All right. You took your kids there, or you just went there by No, yourself? no. I went there with, uh, with uh, Mike Murphy. Shout out to Mike Murphy uh, when we were all still single. None of us had kids, and we went on Mr. You're never Toad's. never taking your children to Disney World? No, no. 
they, they're not into that shit. I think they went with some school trip some other time. You know, it's not. I, really? My parents you're never just, brought me there. You know, it's it's. You're it's, just a cheap bastard, aren't you? No, you're I just, just too cheap. You, you know, to I travel for a living, so you know, I don't want to go anywhere on on vacation. You know, that, you're the one who, the who turns Coast. out the lights during Halloween, right? Is yes, that, I am. Yeah, you're the guy, same guy who turns <laughs> yes, out the lights. Yeah. We're Jewish. We don't celebrate Halloween. You know, it's uh, we you have, don't celebrate Disney World. Well, no, Disney World is different. No, no, I went to on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That was a that was a favorite on that trip. Anyway. Whatever. Yeah, back to... God, back you to, poor kids. Back to uh, Disney World. Poor, Which one? Poor. Tell the story, man. Jeez. <laughs> they're, they're doing fine. <laughs> they seem to have managed yeah. all right. Until they start wearing diapers. Yeah. Well, you know, again, to each his own. Yeah. Um, no, so this whole family, and this family was from Florida. Okay. And they went to Orlando. Okay. To Disney World, a right. place you've never been to. Right, correct. Yeah, and you'll probably never go uh, unless you get a gig there. Yes. As Popeye. Yeah. Or as, uh, you know, because uh, Popeye's now Disney. Do you know that? Is it really? Yeah. I, yeah. I, that was one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Yeah. Same thing ha- has the same plot in every one. It's like, it's like Shakespeare. I yeah, love but it. I don't know why he wanted to fuck olive oil. She was disgustingly ugly. Uh, you know, he has yeah. a type. You know, yeah, He's a, a sailor. They yeah. all have types. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. she's scrawny like a boy, you know, so it's, it's something that was so in, his, in his wheelhouse. Yes, <laughs> yes I am. <laughs> anyway. Popeye might like me. <laughs> yeah. A little too much. Anyway. Yeah. Back to uh, you Disney You love your World. spinach. I remember you love spinach. Mm, uh, I like it more One of the first dinners I ever had with you, you ordered spinach. Really? Yeah. We okay. were at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Oh, because they do have good garlic spinach. That's the one time I would yeah. get spinach. That wilted yeah. spinach uh, yeah. with garlic is delicious. Yes. Yeah. See, I remember things. You, you were good for you, <laughs> man. Good for you. Okay, back to the, uh, the frisky grandpa. Okay, so, you know, they, you go to Disney. Yes, please keep that up by your mouth. <laughs> Okay. He's got a name, man. I know, I know. We're <laughs> yeah. keeping it secret. <laughs> okay, so Grandpa, you know, the, you go through these little lands. They have Fantasyland, Frontierland, Adventureland. Mm-hmm. And they have the princesses that come and meet and greet the little girls and the boys. Who Grandpa apparently got frisky with, you know, during a photo thing with well, one of the princesses. Got a little handsy. Yeah, he got a little handsy. <laughs> So he was, you know, Disney, they don't fuck around. Oh, no, no, no. He was kicked out of the park, and he's, he can't come back forever. Yeah, it's a life, lifetime ban. A lifetime ban Which from Disney. Which might be five years for, for this guy. For this guy, yeah. 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 Well, he's getting, he's getting it <laughs> he's on. He's on yeah. the back nine anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, it, you know, his whole, the whole crew got kicked out. Because of Grandpa. Oh, really? The, yeah. the kids couldn't stay? It could, kids couldn't stay, anything like that. I mean, they're welcome back. Okay, but they had to but leave But Grandpa then. is, you know, he's expelled it's forever. like North Korea, you know, like one family member does something wrong and the whole, the whole family is punished for generations. Right. It doesn't seem fair, but anyway. <laughs> so, he gets expelled. The family gets kicked out. They say, you know, Disney says, don't come back, uh, like the soup Nazi, three years, you know, you know come, something like that. But then, hey, oh, you're a member here now, huh? No? Well, I better. Um, three-year ban. Three-year ban. But what happens is, oh, God, um, they, Disney won't say which princess he felt up. Huh, okay. 
And so now everyone's trying to guess. It's, it goes it goes weird viral. People are trying to guess. A lot of speculation out there. And my my money's on Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Because she's a brunette. There's not that many brunette princesses. Okay. And she's built. She's built, man. Okay. And she's smart. Okay. And she, you know, she shagged that fucking ugly guy, right. the beast. Right. So he yeah. figures he's, grandpa's got a shot. Yeah, grandpa's got a shot. <laughs> sure. I can see his, I like his reasoning. Well, that's. Solid. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I was trying to figure it out, too. You know. And, I, I'm going with you, man. My, my, my money's on, on Belle but, as yeah, well. Because so many people were saying The Little Mermaid. Okay. And there's no way. You know, grandpa's going for, you know, she has no legs. Right, that's what I'm thinking. How is she even walking around? Is she just... Or, you know, the only other thing was the odds were on Sleeping Beauty because, you know, she's asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And say no. Oh, brother. Yeah. You know, but anyway, let's get from that. We'll get to our guest. Okay, <laughs> who's been a <laughs> smooth segue? Yeah, I love this guy. I love his laugh. And so we're going to get him on every podcast, just laughing. If well, I can we can keep, just get a laugh get, track, get him to keep, yeah. keep that that microphone yeah. near his mouth. Um, so, so this fellow, he's a, he's a native New Orleanian, grew up uptown, uh, uh, graduated from Forche High School, like uh, n- not the first uh, Troubleman podcast guest to do so. Um, he's Played in in, uh, in in New Orleans institution of the Radiators, the Rads, for uh, over 33 years. Uh, then went on to play with the New Orleans Suspects. Before that, he uh, had 10 years with the the great uh, James Booker and Professor Longhair, as well as uh, Earl King and Snooks Eaglin. Lifelong uh, New Orleans bass player. Without further ado, Mr. Reggie Scanlon. Welcome, Reggie. Thanks, man. How y'all doing? Good, man. That, the beginning was hilarious. Okay, well, again, keep that mic right on your lips, man. You got it. Yeah, no, I'm, you're still not there. Get a, there now, oh, man, now, man. You're, now you're there. Now we you're gotta there. get, get a mic for these guests. Uh, Something like, like a, like, like a air traffic yeah, controller like a, mic? Like yeah, like a harmonica holder. Yeah. Okay, because, all right. Okay. Um, well, um, everybody usually gets the hang of it by, by this time. I think <laughs> Reggie's going to be no different. So, so Reggie, you... Start off um, playing in bands as as a, uh, a high, high school, school guy, yeah, like everybody, right? And then, but then somehow you wind up playing in James Booker's band, uh, the uh, Piano Prince of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I don't. I, that was a total a fluke. F- every, my whole life is a fluke. Sure, it <laughs> seems like, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, you know, uh, Dave Malone and I had like the college band, you know, that we were playing, you know, Bonnie Delaney and all this kind of stuff. Right. And uh, just out of somewhere, I don't even know where, I got a call from somebody that was connected with Dr. John asking me, Do you want to do a gig with James Booker? And he was a name that was just starting to get familiar with people in my circles. And mm-hmm. he was like this legendary piano player that taught Mac how to play the organ. And he, played on Fats Domino records and Little Richard records. So I was like, yeah. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing uh-huh. when, I, when I played with him was, you know, kind of fast, bluesy type things like that. And then I met him, and man, it was like, it was totally different. Um, the, the gig that I did was on, it was Mother's Day at a black gay bar called the Rawhide in French Quarter. Oh, yeah, I know the bar well. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you do, Ray. Yeah, so, great jukebox uh, over there. I have a drink named after you, I think. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> but anyway, so we do the gig, and, and the rehearsal was uh, Webb Burrell was playing drums, and the conga player was Squirrel, who used to was a, a session guy over at Allen's studio. Okay, that Alan Toussaint. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a whole band. So we do the rehearsal, which was completely insane, and then the gig's the next day, so he tells me, he says, well, look, meet me at the gig an hour and a half ahead of time, and we'll run over some of the tunes again. I was mm-hmm. like, great. So, of course, I get there an hour and a half, and, of course, he doesn't show up till a half an hour after the gig starts. <laughs> so, it's perfect. Right. And then he gets on the stage, and it's a little tiny stage, and we're playing, and he's, man, he's decked out in his wig and his cape and all this kind of shit. And, uh, and then he starts flirting with this guy who was standing next to the bandstand, and um, he's... He's playing, and while he's playing, he's also digging in this bank, this little bag next to him that he's got, and he's and he's flirting with the guy. He's doing all this at one uh-huh. time, and I'm sitting there trying to follow what he's doing, and he pulls out of the bag a, an eye patch with a little diamond stud. And he turns around, and looks like, he says, "How's this look on me?" I was like, I, "I guess it looks all right." So he takes off the one he has on, puts that one on, switches out the eye patch, yeah, and then goes back to the guy. Hey, how you doing, there? <laughs> it's like. And that was the whole, the whole night was like that. It was just totally in, insane. And that was really, that was my introduction to Booker. And it wasn't playing fest tunes or anything like that. I mean, he, he'd go into Mozart pieces in the middle of, a, of Ico Ico. Right. And then it would turn into a Frank Sinatra song. And then it would turn into something else. And, right. And you just had to, had to, had to you uh, you know, hang on by the skin of your teeth and just stay. Did you ever do roller skate and whiplash? Yes, yes, yes. It's like that. The last guy on it, that uh-huh. was me. That was you. That was me. <laughs> and I think, I, the only reason I think that Booker kept me in the band is, it was because I didn't know enough to argue with him about anything. Uh-huh. He would just tell me to do something. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So, right. And that's basically how I learned, if, you know, playing with him. And uh, it was it was educational. But the thing that he really taught me was... Everything is the same. Like, every, like Mozart is the same as the Beatles. It's the same as Muddy Waters. It's the same as... It's all music. It's, it's, everybody's got the same bunch of notes they're working with. Right. So it's just, it's all the same. And he was like, they're just doing different stuff with, different, with the notes. It's all the same. And, and once he told, it was like that, I was like... Whoa, man, this is an eye-opener. It opened up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... For him, one eye-opener, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for him, it was a one Well, he had already had the other one. So what happened to his eye? uh, What's the story? He told me me several stories. Uh Let's see. There was one way he got it. Uh, It was punched out by a guy in Angola over a drug deal. Mm. Okay. Then it was uh, Ringo Starr's... uh, thugs hard thugs who beat him up because he he said Ringo didn't pay him enough to do a session and he was going to he was going to go to the union to make Ringo pay him more Seems so they unlikely. beat him up I'm, I'm thinking it's not that's Oh I not think the, that's exactly what happened Okay all right <laughs> Hey man the Beatles are you kidding they could do anything Yeah that's so, true <laughs> And then there was another story that it just he just got glaucoma and it fell out I mean he right. had he it, it just depending on what on, day it was, right? Yeah, it just depending on what. It's so funny that this is such a weird that this because I today you know I'm off all week because of uh, the holiday week, right. and I'm watching a American classics about PBS American classics about Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, 
And I'd seen it's it. Terrific, be- isn't it? I saw that. It's a terrific it's, show. It's, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they talk about when Sammy lost his eye. Right. He's driving in the desert and he gets in this crash and he gets out of the crash into the ambulance and he's holding his eye. Yeah. He's holding his eye and he gets, you know, to the hospital. You know, they can't save him right. and stuff like that. So he has that new eye, the glass eye. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's so it's amazing how you brought this up about Booker and his eye. You know, Booker had yeah he he was he was he had a million stories about it, and he, and he he'd always be changing a pack if he thought you know one looked better than the it's other. A fashion you know? accessory. Oh, it's a total fashion right accessory. On. It's like the wig and the cape. I mean, it had to be yeah. the right the right one. But right, Sammy right talked about how um, it took him at least. A year to two years to, you know, because he only has one eye. And he had oh, yeah, you, you see a sense of yeah. you know, depth yeah. perception. Yeah. And and he was a dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a dancer, you know, uh, 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 a singer, just, you know. Oh, yeah. Music, a musician you know, played all, yeah, all kinds of He played everything. He yeah, played yeah. drums, yeah. trumpet, all that stuff. And uh, for Booker, I mean, he was mainly a piano player, right? Piano, yeah, piano, an organ, an yeah, organ, yeah. and singer. Yeah. I mean, he had he had he had organ hits when he was in his teen, like thirteen years old. He was recording for, uh, um, uh, what's that company in Chicago? Chess, chess records. Okay. He, he had he had instrumental hits when he was a teenager. Yeah, tremendous. Because yeah. he was a, yeah, he was like he was like prodigy, you know, a, a yeah, prodigy. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Sammy and this doctor, he won his first you know talent contest at the age of three. Yeah, yeah. At the yeah. age of fucking three. You know, amazing thing about that that I remember from that. I mean, it's an incredible documentary. If you get to see that Sammy, that American Masters, Sammy Davis thing, uh, the the Will Maston trio right. that that he that he came up with, and yeah, and if you see those, and his uncle, yeah, his dad and his uncle. Uh-huh. If you see those those old films, they have black and white films of a three-year-old or four, oh, yeah. four-year-old yeah. Sammy Davis. And the whole act was, he would be doing this amazing dance routine and, and the two of them would be standing on the side clapping and yeah. patting their feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, that was Keep, their, yeah. and, it was and at the incredible. end, maybe they'd do a time step with him, you know, and they'd close right. out the show. But so even after he was a huge star, like well into the 1950s and 60s, I don't know, maybe until those guys passed away, he was still splitting his earnings with the Will Maston trio like three ways. You know, he's, he's making millions of dollars and he's still splitting it with them like, you know. Keep it in the family. There was a lot of guys. guys There's a lot of guys. Rick Danko, even when he wasn't with his agent anymore, or he was kind of with him. If he get gigs on his own, he still paid his agent his ten percent. Wow. Didn't matter if the guy was involved with it or not. Some old, guys are just it's old school. They man. just Very that's old, the way it is, you know. So jumping ahead, so so you 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 had that that time with with uh, Booker, and then then you wind up going out to the West Coast with your yeah. wife. Then yeah, then yeah, we went out moved to California. Sally was going to Cal Arts. and I was playing with Rachel Farrow at the time, who was with RCA. And I just kind of fell into that gig because on the way out to California, we stopped in Boulder for a month to just hang out with some friends who knew Rachel, who needed a bass player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she j- just put out one of her records with RCA or something. So I was like, yeah, sure. And, and the next thing I knew, I mean, she was doing gigs in L.A. I was living there. We were playing at the, um, oh, I forget the, the club. But anyway, 
went out there and did that, and then we moved up to to the Bay Area, and then I got involved in the in the blues scene up there with you know playing with Sonny Rhodes and Charles Brown and. Uh, Boogie Jake and all those kind of guys. Cool. So about now, the blues scene in San Francisco at that time was big. Oh, next yeah. to Chicago, it was the yeah, biggest yeah. scene going. Because L.A. blues. Yeah. No, that wasn't yeah. happening. Yeah, the San Francisco it, scene was all those guys that had been in Chicago that had to get out of Chicago. Yeah. They <laughs> For were one all, reason or another. Yeah. yeah. Nick Ravenides. Uh, they had diaper changes. All, yeah, they yeah. had to go out there. <laughs> so... They were out there, plus all the guys that had been in like Ray Charles's band and oh, okay. and BB King's band that wasn't traveling anymore. They were all living in Oakland and you know those kind of places. So it was a huge scene, and it was a big club scene too. Well, the East Bay scene was huge. Yeah, East Bay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because I remember my mom and dad. Oh, Eli's Mile High and all right. those kind of clubs. Because I grew up in in L.A., but uh-huh. uh, we were very. Um, I don't know. It was very weird. We were we were Angelinos, but yet we 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 had a like. We we love the Bay Area for some mm-hmm. reason, but we couldn't afford to live in the Bay Area. But we we but Let's we knew lots visit. of yeah. what's that? You just go visit. You, yeah, we'd yeah. go visit, and the East Bay, like you know, Oakland, Alameda, Berkeley. Yeah. I mean that. Oh, that was a jam. And it was also thing. because of just the rebellious nature of that area. That the times that because I was there like 1973, 74, yeah. five like that. There, th- it was a it was an activist period there. Right. Everybody there was involved in something. Right. You know, nobody was just a waitress or a guy doing a job. Politically you, speaking, you mean? Or politically uh, and, and artistically? Our, okay. Yeah. Okay. Everybody okay. was like if you were a waitress. You were just doing that because you were writing a book or you were doing an album or uh-huh. you were getting ready to you know, do something political. But it was a way to make money to, to finance whatever your trip was. Right. And that whole attitude kind of permeated the, the, the Bay Area. It okay. was a cool place to be at that time. It, was, bet, you know, it was very energizing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and plus, when you, you know, you're in your early 20s, I mean, you're sucking up everything that comes at you, yeah. you know. And it was kind of like that. I got to play with a lot of a lot of guys that I read about, you know, and nice. which was kind of amazing to me. Yeah, to be coming that, out of New Orleans and the next place you you, you, know, you and I'm go, on the stage know. with these guys, like right. you know, guys that played in Ray Charles's horn section, John Hunt, and you know, guys like that. And you're like, geez, man, this is amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, so I did that for about two years, and then Fest called me up, and he was like, hey, you want to be in my band? And I was like, Professor I'm on the Lo- next plane. <laughs> Professor Longhair calls you yeah. up and says, uh, Reggie, come back to New Orleans and be in my band. Yeah, well, what happened, I'd gone home for Christmas vacation for a couple of weeks, and when I was there, some kind of way, uh, somebody engineered me going over to Quint's house and just jamming with Fest for a little bit, and they somebody taped it on a cassette, and he was listening back to it, and his bass player was quitting, and he liked what the, he heard on tape. He called me up, hey, you want to play in my band? I was like, you got to be kidding I'm on the next plane home. Right, right. Quint Davis's house. You're talking about yeah. Quint's house. And at the time, I was playing with Eddie Money, just starting to work with oh, Eddie no Money. Kidding. That's that was a total scene. But when I told him I was quitting to go back to New Orleans to play Professor Longhair, his reaction was, "I can't believe you quit my band to go play with a college professor." <laughs> I was like. That's exactly why I am quitting. <laughs> and he's a, he's an ex-cop, Eddie Money. Oh, his whole family—they were all Staten Island cops. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, right. man. He was 
that guy, when I met him, he, was, he would tell you right off the bat, I'm going to be big, I'm going to be a star. This is what's happening. And what year was this? 74, 75. Okay, but he didn't hit it till like 78, 79. 77, I think, is yeah, when he hit with that. Yeah, Baby, two, Hold On. Uh, that yeah. and Tickets to Paradise. Yeah, Tickets to Paradise. Yeah, he, when he, he, he became a travel up, agent after that, didn't he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> On TV. He, yeah, he ended yeah. up in Florida after that. Well, they all do. <laughs> they all end up in Florida. So you, know. so, so you come back and you, you wind up being in Fess's band for a year or so? Yeah, I, well, I came back and I was playing with Fess, and then, and then Booker called me up and wanted me to play with him, too. Mm-hmm. Which so I was playing with both of them. Nice, but man. God, what a what a again a charmed life, man. Holy moly! I, I you know what? You're a good bass player, sweet would, guy. You know, you don't if make. Somebody waves. would have told me that in high school. I'd have been like, "You gotta be kidding me, <laughs> yeah, man! I don't see that happening. This ain't gonna happen." But uh, but Booker and Booker would always get upset if I had a gig with Fest because that was my priority gig. You sure. know, so he's like, "Why don't you go play with that guy, man? You can come play with me." I was like, "Well, <laughs> it's just the way it is." Right. And also, I was playing in a band that Dave Malone and I had together. Dave Malone, time. your partner in the radio. Partner keep, in crime for we, years. We keep and mentioning years him. And years. He's coming yeah. up. Yeah, it's, we're working um, our way up to that. Because we had been, we had met first year in college and started playing together. Oh, okay. You know, like we we can. The first day we met, we played together in his band's rehearsal room, nice. and from that point on, I was like, "You're the guy I'm gonna play with." Oh, so. nice, man. And um, so I was doing that, and then. At the end of a year with Fess, the guy who was managing him left or, or, or whatever happened. Allison Miner came back mm. on the scene. And she was married at the time. And um, basically, she just fired the entire band and then hired, like, Johnny V and Dave Lee. A lot of jazz guys because okay. I, I think her husband wanted to be a jazz saxophone player. Okay. Um, and so he got in the horn section, and he was spectacularly mediocre. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so don't uh, need to mention his name, but uh, no, we don't no, need to. No, no. Um, I mean, if I'm gonna talk about sax playing, I'm gonna talk about somebody great, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, again, let's hey, double Jeff down. Watkins is somebody. Man. Okay. So, um, but anyway, uh, the day that we did that gig that we got fired that afternoon. Dave and I had been invited over to Ed's house. Ed Volker. To, yeah, Ed Volker, to jam with him and Frank and Camille mm-hmm. because their band was breaking up because Atlantic Records had come in and they were kind of sniffing around wanting to, to sign Becky. But what was that band? The Rhapsodizers. Okay. When you say Becky, Becky Curry. Yes. Uh, bass player who the, who's yes. the Rhapsodizers were sort of a, a forerunner of the Radiators Absolutely. of sorts. So. Absolutely. And we'd all been in bands together. Like before the Rhapsodizers, me and Becky and Clark and Bruce Rayburn had had a band on Bourbon Street. Clark Freeland? So, yeah. Sophie and okay. the Heart Regulators. Okay. So it, there was a lot of bands. A lot of intermingling those, yes, here. Yes. Absolutely. A lot of cross-pollinization. Yes. So, uh, so they were looking at Becky, and then I guess Ed and Frank and Camille were kind of looking at their options. Mm-hmm. So they called me and Dave up. You want to come jam over here one one day? I was like, yeah. We so we went over Saturday, and you know, you, you figure you're gonna, you know, drink a bunch of beer, smoke some joints, mm-hmm. hang out, play a couple of blues songs, and then you have a nice day. But what happened was we started playing, and it was like we didn't stop for like five hours. Wow. And when it stopped, it was like. 
this, this is not like a jam session on a Saturday afternoon. This is a band. You could feel it right away. We knew right away that this, it, it was this and nothing. Uh, ama- amazing how that happens where, you know, you play with all kind of people and like bands get together and like, yeah, we're going to work on this and you're working on it and things get better. Yeah. But then you can get with some guys and just at the and halfway through the first tune, you're like, oh, fuck, this really. It's f- like meeting that girl. You, yeah. you don't plan on that. Right. You just you know, both showed up at the same time at the right time, you mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of what happened with us. If that would have happened a month later, who knows? Might not have happened. Right. We might not have been in the same mood or whatever. Right. But the, Ed was Ed was like, well, look, he said this was all great and everything, but we don't know if we if y'all if, if this band can play my tunes. Okay. So until I commit to something, we got to learn one of my tunes. So we said, okay, well, let's have a rehearsal on, on Monday. This was on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Monday we went over there, and Ed had this song, Red Dress. Right. So we learned it pretty quick, and then Dave was like, hey, you know what? What if we put this guitar part on the, on the front end of it? Uh-huh. Which became the signature beginning for the song. Okay. And we learned that, and that was like, okay, we're a band. So, yeah. And then from that point on, we just we didn't really look back, but we... We kind of thought, you know, if uh, the general idea back then, I mean, you know how it was. If your band lasted six months and you paid your rent, that was a successful business deal. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. So we didn't really have any expectations past playing at the Dream Palace, uh, Ford's Place, and that, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those of, days. I was a child, but yeah, I remember yeah, when, but when it, those... Yeah, but that's, you know, that's what you did. I mean, there was, there was you know, bands who, like, toured and stuff were like Led Zeppelin and, mm-hmm. you know, bands that were, you know, legit, you know. Okay, uh, so let me interrupt you for a second. What? This band, before we go to our next round, Nation, <laughs> this band, when we come back from our, is called The Radiators, right? Right. Okay. That's because we couldn't come up with a better name. <laughs> no. and, and Ed didn't want to use Rhapsodizers. Right. He was like, well, that was that band. So, so then when we had to get a name, because we just told all, everybody knew who we were. So we would go play the Dream Palace or Ford's Place or even Tipitina's. We just said, look, just, just say a name. Just make up a name because everybody knows it's going to be us. But then the name started getting so bad that we were like, you know what? If we're going to have a name that we hate... <laughs> We got to, it's got to be one we think of, not somebody else. (laughs) Right. So, you know, back to the garage with all the beer and the weed and everything. And then there's another few hours of like just spewing out names and finally like, what were some names that you spewed out before you came to the Radiators? The Weema Whoppers. Oh, God. That that was, that was Ed's. That was worse than, that was worse than. Sounds like Sesame Street. Yeah, it was, it, it was. It was pretty bad. Ed, Ed has a very uh, inventive tongue. He comes up with a lot oh, of phonological Ed, Ed's a, Ed's uh, absurdities. A, yes, and a, that's his a, genius. But uh, you he know. has his own version of what we, what, what Mac what we call Macisms. Yes, There's, Ed has his Edisms. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. He has his own spin on on language. Yes, yes. And he, you know, he's a wordsmith, so that's what he does. Yes, yes. And um, so. Uh, so, you know, back in the garage and, you know, thinking of names and finally somebody said radiators. Okay, that's great. Let's just use that. And then when we get some time, we'll think of a better name. And, right. you know, it was after that, I was like, the hell with it, man. Let's just go with yeah, this. Yeah, it's stuck. 
Well, so uh, that's uh, so we're right on the precipice of, of this yeah. whole thing happening. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, Nation, we're going to take a little break and get another round, and uh, you go make yourself another cocktail, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, no, you're 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 getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's my round. Okay, and we're back, back in the ring room, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman, back with our guest, Mr. Reggie Scanlon. You know, Manny, um, so we have a fresh round of cocktails here, and we hope that the uh, nation was able to get themselves another round. Uh, you know, we, we have the, as of last week, we have the, uh, the Troubleman Podcast Cocktail Fund. So uh, yeah, people always I, yeah, ask, you told uh, me about that. people yeah. always ask, you know, how, uh, we love the podcast so much, how can I contribute to it? So now, you know, f- for all those people that have, have asked that, we now have the cocktail fund, so you can get to the, the link to the cocktail fund. Uh, through, Is that through like PayPal? Through, it's something? a PayPal account, yeah, yeah, right through yeah. the show notes. Is or, it a tax deduction? It's a tax deduction, awesome. well, possibly, you know, depending awesome. on what bracket you're in. I, I can't, you know, I'm not an accountant, so I can't give any tax advice, but I will say, as uh, as one I of the think members, that would of, be good motivation to donate money. Well, you know, it's it's. It, well, it, we it, don't want. We just want another round. Well, you know, so uh, it's it's it. We, we we do have operating expenses, and you know, we always buy our guests uh, drinks, and uh, you know, we have to buy ourselves. Just send liquor, you know, because we don't want them to drink alone. And uh, and you know, we, we we have other. So anyway, just click on that link if you if you wish to contribute, and uh, you know. Uh, God bless Whose you. name is on that link? Um, is it at the, the Trouble Men Podcast? It's, it's the Trouble Men or Podcast. Or is it your name? It's the Trouble Men Podcast. It's, uh, you know, it, it has to go to a, uh, it's not going to me, man. It goes to our accountants. Uh, you know, it's, it's, our it's, accountants? Yeah, we yeah, have accountants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes our, <laughs> really? It's, it's, it's the uh, first I've heard the, of this. The, uh, the, uh, our accountants, uh, you know, it's surname is on the thing, but it's, it's, uh, it's the Trouble Men Podcast. If, if that's the link. So that's, that's how we know the difference. That's how we'll keep it all straight. We won't all be right. Co-mingling any funds. Don't worry, man. Yeah. To, you know, okay. No, I'm, the guy I'm, who didn't take his kids to Disneyland. I'm, I'm on the up and up here. You know? <laughs> anyway, moving on. Back, back to uh, back to Reggie Scanlon. So, so you have the radiators now. At this time, uh, the radiators become uh, a, a a band that has great uh, affiliation with. Tulane students. Oh yeah, right from the jump. Because I in in 1981, I had just graduated from high school, and and I had um, friends who went to Tulane bringing me to see you guys. Oh yeah, and f- f- from a few years before that until until you guys stopped playing, you continuously had this th- this affiliation with with Tulane University and those students. And early on, you guys. Uh, encouraged people or allowed people to tape your shows. Yeah. Turns out, um, I don't think you understood this at the time, but it was genius in the in the hindsight. Did. So, so all <laughs> these people that were taping your shows went back to wherever they were from in the Northeast or the Midwest. That's exactly right. And they played their y'all's tapes because they loved you guys. Like people love the Radiators, like people love the Grateful Dead. It was almost that kind of cultish thing. Oh yeah, know? yeah, and, and for it's, sure. It's like a lifestyle thing. So. I, I've read this before, Dave talking about this. When you guys first went up and went on tour, like up in the Northeast, you thought, oh, well, maybe some people will come to see us who saw us yeah. before. It turned out you had had like sold out shows up there from people that had never seen you but had, had been circulating that, yeah. these tapes of y'all's. That, it, we, you know, when people started to, to tape us, and a lot of those Tulane students, they did it because they were all deadheads. 
Okay. And they, so they were, they were, that was kind of their... Had that tradition already. Yeah, that, that was already a thing that they did. Um, and when, you know, as far as we were concerned, I mean, to, to us, it was like, man, if you want to go to the trouble and bring all that gear out and tape us, sure, go ahead. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have a problem with that. Right. And, you know, and if you make a good recording, hey, give us one. Right. You know, it'd be nice. What we didn't realize is that this was all part of of a trading network mm-hmm. that was the, you know all over the East Coast and to some degree on the West Coast. You know, all these guys were sending tapes back to their brothers, their cousins, whoever whoever they traded tapes with. So yeah, when we got up there, it, it was like you know we played in New York at at uh, uh, Lone Star, or Lone Star, or something like that. And the place was jammed with a, with a line out the door. Yeah. And we're like, what? And that, <laughs> actually, that's what got us signed on to Epic Records okay. eventually was uh, the head of the A&R department, Michael Kaplan. He was, a, he at the time, he was also the A&R guy for Greg Allman and Dickie Betts. So he was kind of a roots kind of guy. Uh-huh. Southern rock. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that kind of stuff, blues stuff. Right. So I, I don't know how he heard about us, but what, whatever he heard about us, and he and he came to Lone Star one night to see us, and the the place was sold out, which he was kind of knocked out by because nobody it was and it's, it's an unsigned band, nobody knows who the hell we right. are. But then the place was singing all the tunes that we were doing. Wow. And he was like, wait a minute, nobody <laughs> knows who this band is. They're from Louisiana, and all these people up here know the tunes. Something's going on. Sure. So he tried to get in touch with us, and for a while we didn't take his calls because we just thought he was like, I mean, you, you always get these guys, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with the record company, I, you know, right. and they end up being a janitor or something, right. you know. So we thought this guy was kind of the same thing, right. and then finally, you know, he was like, okay, okay, we'll talk to him. Turns out he's the head of the A&R department, and. That's how we got signed on. He was a huge fan of the band. Nice. And it, when we signed on, it was right at the be, right before that whole corporate takeover of music, mm-hmm. the beginnings of that. By the time we hit our third album with, with Epic, um, Sony had taken over. And right. before that, you sign with a record label and, they, you know, they kind of bring you along. You know, they didn't expect you to to have a hit out, you know, uh-huh. your first it's album. The, the, the old school yeah. style of things. But by yeah, your third right. album, they expected something to be happening. Right. With the new way, you know, when Sony took over, it was like, we don't care about any of that. You need a, you need a hit out the box. Right. Forget the album, you need a hit. And it was it was kind of that mentality of Britney Spears and, you know, Christine Aguilar, that the that bean counters had taken over already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Not only had the bean... <laughs> you can't even imagine. When we signed with him, there was a guy named... Uh, uh, what was his name? Ray... Ray... Uh, I forget his last name. He was the head of the record company. Okay. This guy... You meet him in the office at 11 o'clock in the morning. He was just coming in from being out all night. Oh, okay. He's got a scotch in one hand. He's doing blow on his desk. And okay, well, I'm glad you didn't say his last name. <laughs> no, I forget his last name. No, 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 please. No, I forget his last He went to jail anyway. So. Oh, okay. Well. So, but anyway, I don't, you know, that's, that's the way the record companies were then. Well, I was going to say, well, oh, oh, so, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So now, the, when, it, when Sony takes over, they got a new guy coming in. I'm not going to say his name because no, no, he no. was a bean counter. Okay. He shows up in a three-piece suit every day, and mm-hmm. if you want to, if you need a paper clip, it goes on your bill. 
and he doesn't even it. know where to get blow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he yeah he's, he's looking Forget for that. he's an accountant man. That's basically right, right, what he right. was. So it it kind of it really changed the whole way record companies dealt with with bands and everything. And it it, it by the time we hit the third album, we were like telling Michael Kaplan, if you really want to do us a favor. Tell them to ditch us. You know, yeah, we want yeah. to get out of no, here. I've been in that situation. Yeah, yeah. it's like the, the well, best yeah, thing you, you can do. Hell well, you thing. sound, I mean, this sounds like you, you mentioned the Grateful Dead, and you guys seem to be like a band. I've never seen you guys before. We, we took but a you, lot up from the Grateful Dead. Yeah, band. because people are taping your shows and trading tapes and stuff well, like that, that. Yeah. And that gets word of mouth. So, you know, the you know, Grateful Dead never really made a great album. I mean, as far as... I mean, they made great albums, but um, they were better live than anything. They yeah. were primarily a live band. Yeah, but the and thing that's that, what you the, guys... Yeah, are. but the thing we took from them was... Jerry's that, stash? No. Well, we, we took that, too. But <laughs> We want to get into that. The, yeah, we, <laughs> we already, need to move along. We already yeah. got into that. Okay. So, but the, the thing about them was they were the only band that seemed to be successfully navigating the the waters of the music business completely independent of of the music business right right so yeah. because at that time you know it was like punk rock it was disco and honestly i There's mean no we, real place for a band like you guys and no we we could see no uh, nothing that would ever sign us to a record label so we started our own record label yeah. we 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 took all of you know like things from the dead like Okay, they, they did their own thing. They they started their own publishing company. They did their, so that's mm-hmm. what we started doing. We just were, and they have vaults, vaults of music. So do we? That yeah, we've that's got, what I'm getting to. That have never been released yet. Oh yeah, we've got 35 years of ta- we taped every yeah, single thing, and that's we, what the Dead did. They have vaults, and, and apparently, I think it was supposed to happen last year. I don't know what happened. They're going to release like oh, I think they did uh, last a, Christmas. Last yeah, it was Christmas, a huge box set. Yeah, of like a that, huge box set of 72 hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, as well. never unheard music. You know, not, not on my Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no. yeah. Um, but, but on someone's Christmas yes, absolutely. Well. No, no, no. People love it. But now, it, but you create you, you create a, a never-ending uh, stream of revenue by doing that because as you release, you know, I mean, we release us. You know, we go through the tapes. We find something. We we like put it out on nugs.net and that you know, okay. do that um y'all continue to do that because oh, i know yeah. you guys just recorded a new record we uh, did a new album about two years ago yeah and it was was it two years ago yeah god time is flying I know, no man. Kidding, I, I thought man. i thought it was just like came I know, out it a feels few like months yesterday. ago <laughs> but but because we're still a band i mean just we stopped touring, but we didn't stop being a band. Right. So we still, you know, we still play. And you guys do do a, a reunion show every year. Every at, every January, yeah. At Tipitina's, it'll be coming up this January. Yeah. Start off doing two nights or something. Now you're up to four nights. No, we, it's it's always been three. Three. Okay. All right. I'm, so, I'm not good with math. Oh no, um, that's okay. I but, wouldn't mind adding a fourth if it could be all acoustic, but that's not going to happen. Okay. So. Well, uh, shout but out we to. Do, uh, but you we know, do. We usually do three. Uh, the three anniversary shows, and we usually do two jazz fest shows. And, and the anniversary shows sell out Tipitinas. People oh, yeah. come from all over the country. And, oh, they were sold out a couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and buy and they're not cheap tickets. They're they're not five dollar tickets. No, 
those days are over with. <laughs> Incredible, man. That's the, 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 the kind of longevity and, and, and devotion that, that, you know, and community that brings people from all over the country. And they know it's there. I tell you, you know, a lot of people talk about the music the Rads did. And, and I, I'll be the first to, to say I, I think Ed's the, one, one of the best songwriters the city's ever He's produced tremendous, tremendous singer and songwriter. And, yeah, and and, and as Vulcan. great of a songwriter as he is, and and as 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 much as the band was a great interpreter and and arranger of a lot of his music, the real thing the band contributed to anybody was that we created um, a community that exists even when the band is inactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are in touch with each other all the time. They get yes. married. They have, I mean, they they come. They have their own radiator uh, oriented kind of events that they do, uh, you know. And people come in. So it, we create a community that exists. They don't need really independent us. of yes. Of you, they yeah. don't really need us to be there, but like in New Orleans, we had the Moms Ball that started yeah. before you guys, but adopted you, and and you, you the yeah. zeitgeist of the radiator sort of took it over. Now, then uh, all these other copycat exactly. organizations around the country, like you know, the dads, you, you have the, the dads, dads in and, Minneapolis. Right. You got the 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 gray lady in in uh, in Nantucket. You have the the. What is it? The something crew, like monkey crew, Francisco. or something? Monkey crew in Florida. So, yeah, so that's all. These. That's the, that's all uh, people that that are coming out of the same radiators bag. Tulane students or or Tulane. It's, uh, it's basically adjacent. yeah. It's basically they they want to hear. And usually when they when they have something, they don't want to hear the hits. They yeah. want to hear. What have y'all never played before? Yeah. Like make up something. You know they yeah. they want to hear. They want us. They want to see the band jump off a cliff. Yeah. is basically what they're looking for, because wow. they're looking to jump off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get into all the uh, the crazy years, but we're running out of time. I want to get into. Can we touch on 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 your brush with death? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I, I'm brushing every day, uh, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I am too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, that's why you know yeah. that's, that's that's why you you are such a good candidate for this this program. Um, so. You're the only person I know of in history who's ever survived pancreatic cancer, because usually that's a death sentence. It's well. First off, people have to understand that there are different types of pancreatic cancer. Okay. What most people think of as pancreatic cancer is adenocarcinoma, which okay. which is a very aggressive. Uh, cancer and usually metastasizes. Quickly. It metastasizes. Is that the one that Alex Trebek has right now? Because he has pancreatic cancer. I'm not sure what he has. Yeah. But um, that's a very aggressive cancer, and usually by the time they diagnose it, it's already they're, ba- they're basically telling you just make yourself comfortable because you're done. Right. What I have is a rare type, the same same type Aretha Franklin had. Oh, okay. That. Um, is a very non-aggressive. They call it a. Uh, it's a. Um, I forget, but it's it's a very slow, non-aggressive. Okay. Uh, cancer and it is a survivable cancer if it's uh, even even with me and I was caught. Basically, there was like, oh, you got about fifteen minutes. If you don't have something done, you're done. Well, that's what I, I remember yeah. hearing this, and, and and the news was devastating because the 
to the music community because you're so beloved. You're such a sweet guy. Or like, and it's such a usually such a devastating diagnosis. Like, oh my and, god, that's uh, and, uh, until they awful. they broke it down. Like yep. the first thing I heard was pancreatic cancer, and I was like, okay, see you all around. You right, know, I was, right. I was ready to go home and just you know check out. Um, but this was a, I mean, the operation to deal with it was 17 hours. The Whipple procedure. Huh? The Whipple, Whipple. Yes, procedure. the Whipple. Yes. Um, and it took 17 hours. It's usually like a non-hour average huh. uh, um, operation. But because of the vascular involvement of the tumor, it, it completely encased the, uh, the pancreas. It took hours and hours to do all the resecting of the of the, the blood vessels. Wow! So it was a seventeen hour operation, and then another ten hours under anesthesia for uh, because my heart was kind of irregular. So they kept me under just until my heart got regular. So I was under for like twenty seven hours. Now that operation it has a, a, a less than fifty percent survivability, right? No, nowadays the history of it actually the the idea of it was first. Uh, Promoted in the in the late nineteenth century by an Italian surgeon. Hmm. Fucking guineas, man. No, I know. Man, 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 okay. man, he's Italian. Then, yeah. so we can say that. <laughs> he he feels I got, like he I got Sicilian in me. So, I, yeah. 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 so then, then there was a German doctor in the early twentieth century who was also looking at it. But it wasn't until the thirties that was a guy named John Whipple who actually did it. Okay, he had the f- and and it and it at that point. Maybe 15% of people survived it, okay. which was considered okay back then. Um, the guy who did mine did my manager's mother-in-law 30 years ago, and she's still living. No kidding. And when it, when it came time for me to have a, a surgeon, everybody I talked to was like, oh, you got to get John Bolton. He's the only guy that can do this. Yeah. Not, not, so, not our John Bolton. No, no, <laughs> Different no. John this Bolton. is Dr. John Who's Bolton. John Bolton? John Bolton is the guy that's about to testify next oh, next week. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, different yeah. guy. Nothing's, no, gonna this, ha- nothing's gonna happen with that. This is a guy mm-hmm. who actually contributes. Right, right, right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so when I saw him, you know, basically I just said, you know, I met him, and he said, well, he said, well, we're gonna go in. He said, but if there's anything the matter with your liver, I'm closing you right back up. Hmm. So even going in, there was no guarantee that I was gonna get through it and also there was a, a pretty good chance I wasn't even going to make it through the operation because it was just a you know they it's had got to take so much courage man to to, to steal no, that down no not really because it's like if if you only have one door to go through yeah. you just got to go through it i right. mean you you don't have a choice you just okay. like i didn't have a choice i didn't even have time to get second opinions yeah. it was like clock's ticking you got to go now so yeah. John Bolton was the guy. I was like, let's go. Uh, whatever you got to do, do it. Yeah. And I said, if you want to, you know, if you got something you want to try I, I, and it looks like a long shot, I said, go for it because I got nothing to lose. Wow, man. And so he, they ripped out your pancreas, right? Well, first they cut me open and they took everything out later on a table. Yeah. And, then they, and they put it back. Yeah, they put it back and it was, 
it felt kind of jiggly for a while, I got to tell you. Yeah, it did, yeah. everything was, to find its own uh, uh, yeah, spot. He, yeah, he yeah, told yeah. me, he said, everything will find its own place. At, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, I hope so, you know. Because <laughs> it's like, you big, see, okay, so I you see, there's a big space somewhere in there. Right? Uh, you seem like uh, a well-read man. I mean, you're, you're an intelligent man. Yes. I've, I, I've never met you before until tonight. Until you came up to my steps and stuff like that. Early. Yeah. And, and you yeah. seem Five like, minutes yeah, early. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that can't happen anymore, man. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Yeah, no. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Look, the other person, the last person to do was Tommy Malone. Okay. So. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You are in good company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't dig that, man. Yeah. Anyway, you seem like an intelligent man and you know your history. And I only ask this, every like 10th guess, uh, I, I see it. Every you know, guess, I see mm-hmm. this, I, I have to ask them this one question. Because you're intelligent. So, to you, you, who was the better person? Gandhi or Stalin? <laughs> At what? Well, it's just a better person. I'd probably go with Gandhi. <laughs> it's a wise choice. Yeah, it's a wise good, choice. Good. It's, okay, no, Manny's yeah. on board with that. He's just 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 checking. He's just yeah, just, just checking just because I asked him. He, he knew people that I that I that I would have liked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. As opposed to Stalin killed people you would have liked. Yeah, right. exactly. Right, right, no. right, right. Okay. All right, well, I'm ready to go. Well, um, unless you have something else, Renee. Well, well, I mean, have we covered everything? I guess we have. You know, uh, we've, we've. I don't so think you can always cover everything. You can't cover so. everything. Thank you. But you've survived. That's the great thing. Oh, yeah. Then, then you go on to uh, start yet another successful band uh, 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 after the Raiders. Uh, oh, the Suspects. Uh, the, the New Orleans Suspects. Well, those guys are still going. And we can't get into all that right now. Nah, but I had to do that because, man, I, I couldn't just like stop touring and do nothing. I was like, I'll and, go nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and just this week, you played with the, uh, the, the Last Waltz tribute, the fourth oh, yeah, annual. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I keep busy. You're you playing know. all the time. You're, you're, and, and you have uh, like a, a fest-oriented show coming up. I got that coming up. I got, and plus I play with Billy Ayuso's band, the Restless Natives. Uh, I yes. got a trio with Tom Worrell and Lionel Batista. Uh, Batiste. Love Tom Worrell. Love, uh, love plus Lionel I, Now I got a trio too with Camille and Kevin O'Day that were working. Right. So, uh, you know, that very in demand bass player. Imagine if we would have lost you. Oh, so man. Well, we'll I don't even want to think about that because okay, I, well. I got a lot of bands I want to play with. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, well, Just God. like you do. You, know, man, you, you got yeah, a ton yeah, of people yeah. you want to play with. Nobody so wants right. to play with him. Oh, I see, man. He's so mean to oh, me. No, he I don't plays know, with man. himself. You bring that green bass out, man. Everybody wants that. The green one, the black one. You know, like like you, it all comes out of the hands. You know, I was I was. Oh yeah. Uh, someone was asking me the other day, "Do you ever use any effects on your bass?" And I said, "No." I said, "You know, I see other bass players with pedal boards." I said, "I wouldn't even know what those pedals I had are a pedal, that they I, use." I got some pedals one time. And and I, I waited all night to t- to, to step on it. Was like the night was over this, and you hadn't used it. I, I thought was, I was like, forget it, man. I don't. I don't. Actually, this is not I, me. Actually, I wrote a joke about this. I said, you know, <laughs> if if there was a pedal that could uh, make my personality better, 
Oh, I that, wouldn't mind that. That's, that's one I, I would, you know, that, that might actually help me get I jobs, just, you know, like a like an attitude shifter yeah. or, or a, a smart but mouth I suppressor. But I don't, yeah, but I don't want my base to change. So every time, yeah, it's like, right, right. You, We're trying to. You spend your whole life getting that tone and then you step on a pedal and it turns it's into gone. something. And it's like, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, now the base is gone. And then once you turn the pedal on, then you got to, when do you turn it off? Right, right, right. You know, because it's never a good time to turn it off. No, no, because re- we're really trying to um, create a trance. We're trying to yeah. to lull everyone and into... we're trying uh, to carry less equipment, too. Oh, well, you know, the ped- <laughs> pedals are light, oh, yeah. but yeah, I, I just wouldn't have any idea what that, what the, what that pedal would no, be. I, you know? I, no, I don't even, I, I don't even like a, a pedal tuner. You know, yeah. I, I just I don't I don't like anything between the bass and the amp. Uh, sure, it's just like just a chord. Yeah, that's hey, that's yeah. it. Hey. You know. Well, this is for you, young man. Oh, so the uh, presentation yeah. of the Troubleman podcast sticker to uh, Mr. Reggie Scanlon. I'm going to wear this. Put it on with one. Pride. Of, put it on. We'll give you another <laughs> one. Put it on your base case, and uh, we'll give you one to put on your laptop or something. Yeah, you know? right. It'll make put your wife like you more. No, don't don't put it on your. <laughs> you're not the first person that suggested that. I'm sure I'm no, not. No. But uh, Reggie, thank you so much for oh, being man, here. Oh man, thanks for having me. This is great. <laughs> so much fun. Um, so In the uh, ring room, man. This is a secret place. Let yeah, me yeah. You. you know, the ring room is is fantastic. Yeah, man. Uh, so you know, on the Troubleman podcast, Reggie, we always like to say, uh, trouble never ends. The struggle I so. continues. I hope so. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Like